Ah, welcome to Movie Magic. We would be honored if you would join us. Five, six, eight. Five, one thousand. Four, one thousand. Three, one thousand. I am the father. Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. Are you one of those single tier people? All the dogs in King's Landing howl through the night. They cry out for their true queen. Name's Bond, James Bond. One of them leads to the castle at the center of the labyrinth, and the other one leads to certain death. <gasps> Go ahead, make my day. He sounds like quite a man. A passenger has died on the train. Who gave the order to kill me? Movie Magic with Colin Gomez, Money FM, eighty-nine point three. Commence primary ignition. Four, Love and Thunder. You would either love it or hope for the thunder to follow through with lightning and strike it down to ashes. Let me explain. Moviegoers over the last two weekends were flocking to the cinemas because, one, it's a Marvel superhero movie, and two, it was directed by Taika Waititi, who directed the previous Thor movie. I was excited about this one because of Taika. This New Zealander filmmaker, actor and comedian, is a recipient of an Academy Award, a BAFTA Award, and a Grammy Award, and has received two nominations at the Primetime Emmy Awards. His feature films, Boy and Hunt for the Wilder People, have each been the top-grossing New Zealand film. On its annual list, Time magazine named him one of the 100 most influential people in the world in 2022. So how is it that this director, who was unknown to the masses in the past, suddenly become one of the most sought-after directors in the world? Before we get to that, my first Taika Waititi movie that I watched was What We Do in the Shadows, which he acted, directed, and co-wrote it with Jermaine Clement, who is part of the comedic duo from Flight of the Concords. Now, What We Do in the Shadows is one of my favorite comedies, and if you've been following Movie Magic since it started when Money FM was first launched, you might vaguely remember me raving about it. This horror comedy has werewolves and vampires and was adapted into a TV series of the same name in 2019. The series has been nominated for the Primetime Emmy Award for Outstanding Comedy Series, and although it's good too, I prefer the movie version. The movie was released in 2014 and the series in 2019. In 2017, Taika was commissioned to direct Marvel's Thor, Ragnarok. And you could see his humor come through the action and the script. In 2019, he did the black comedy film Jojo Rabbit, which he wrote and starred in as an imaginary version of Adolf Hitler. Jojo Rabbit received six Academy nominations and won the Best Adapted Screenplay. He also earned a Grammy Award for producing the film's soundtrack. What a multi-talented guy, yeah? In addition to directing an episode of the series The Mandalorian, he also voiced the character IG-11, the gunslinging droid in the series for which he was nominated for the Primetime Emmy Award for Outstanding Character Voiceover Performance. He also played the role of a stormtrooper in the series. Despite directing, Taika reprises his role as the voice of Korg in the latest Thor. 
Love and Thunder. The movie has more than one song from Guns N' Roses, which I guess is one of his favorite bands. Well, frankly speaking, I'm not into Guns N' Roses, especially after they did a cover of Live and Let Die. That's because perfect songs like that should not be covered at all. But with all the good things I just mentioned about Taika, I think this Thor movie is not as good as the previous one he directed. Yes, his humor is written all over the place. However, you need the actors to deliver them, and some of the actors are meant to do just serious roles, while others are meant to do just comedy. I'll give you an example. I can't imagine, let alone see, Mike Myers do a serious comedy character role, but I know Jim Carrey can, or the late Robin Williams could. So, in the same breath, I'm saying, and this is my opinion, Kristen Bale is too serious to deliver any comedy lines. Don't get me wrong, he is a tremendous actor, he's very good. And to date, I think he's the best Batman. And he did well as Gaul, the god butcher in this movie, whose mission is to kill every god in Thor, Love and Thunder. Natalie Portman reprises the role of Dr. Jane Foster, the girlfriend of Thor, and now she too holds a hammer and has a costume. Well, she is a serious actress, and I don't think she's destined to deliver funny lines either. It just doesn't fit with her pretty face. I love her, though, for all that she is and not. Another serious actor which, in my opinion, is very good in serious roles is Russell Crowe. Now, he plays the role of Zeus, but if there are some funny lines to be delivered, I don't think he's the actor for it. There's some consolation, though, and that comes from the cast of the Guardians of the Galaxy. Now, they can deliver comedy lines, and Chris Pratt is one of them. Now, this movie also has a great soundtrack, with the likes of Pat Benatar, David Bowie, Queen, and Led Zeppelin. Notice I did not mention Guns N' Roses, although they were in it with songs like Welcome to the Jungle, Sweet Child of Mine, November Rain, and Paradise City, which are played during key sequences. Why? Well, that, I'm not too sure. To save the day, it has a fantastic score by my favorite composer, Michael Giacchino. It has some tracks where it's all powerful and strong, and then there are some tracks which makes you sense danger, and then there are some tracks which are so dreamy and flowy that you feel you can float away. Movie Magic with Colin Gomez, Money FM 89.3. So, is Thor any good despite it being directed by one of my favorite directors, Taika Waititi? Well, compared to Thor Ragnarok, it didn't create that chemistry between Chris Hemsworth and Natalie Portman. Both are great performers, but they are not compatible as a romantic couple. They had the chemistry as friends, as good friends, and with their own friends in the movie, but not as a romantic couple. Putting the romance between Thor and Jane at the center of the story, in my opinion, well, it wasn't a very good idea. And what's with Russell Crowe's accent? Was it pseudo-Greek or pseudo-Italian? Where's the voice coach when you need one? There were also some unnecessary lines in the script that suggest an orgy. They don't show the orgy, but it is suggested, and there are too many sexual references that are not suitable for children. There are scenes and lines that make the film funny, though, but they don't make the film any better or good. It's not enough 
to make his laugh out louder than Thor Ragnarok. So who says a big budget with an all-studded cast makes a movie great? Hmm. Love and Thunder is good, but not great. Well, watch it on a big screen if you want that cinematic experience as the special effects are great. But if you have Disney+, Plus, well, it's going to be on it once it has run its course in the theaters, but you'll be left behind or left out if people have seen the movie talk about it during their lunch break all by the water cooler. Okay, coming up on Movie Magic, we'll touch on why people are dressing up to watch a particular movie. Who started it? Where did it originate from? That's next. Movie Magic with Colin Gomez, Money FM 89.3. You know, there's a cover version of Nancy Sinatra's Bang Bang that has drums and horns and so on. It's quite refreshing, I must say, but I still prefer the original version that has only guitars with the flanger echo effects. Oh, it's so cool. The cover version is just one of the many retro songs featured in a movie where people are flocking, especially the Gen Z, dressed up in suits. They're wearing their Sunday best, all just to watch the movie Minions, The Rise of Gru. But before we discuss why, when, who and where it all started, let's take note that this is not the first movie that has publicity through social media. It happened with Sonic the Hedgehog. It happened with Morbius. Now, Minions, The Rise of Gru is the latest movie to get the social media spotlight. Movie studios care a lot about what people are saying on social media. You see, social media can either make or break a movie success. People listen to what others have to say about what's being said in social media. And most, now I won't say all, people tend to follow the majority. I'll give you an example. Door-to-door sales personnel are trained to talk to customers by saying things to us like, um, you know, your neighbor next door or across the street has installed an alarm system. In fact, the whole blog has. And most people, when they hear that, they want to follow the trend. Because as humans, we don't want to be left out. So we buy into something that we don't really need or want. In this case, Generation Z has started a trend on social media about dressing up to go watch Minions, The Rise of Gru. So don't be scratching your heads and wondering where these youngsters are coming from when you see them all dressed up. No, they are not coming from a wedding. They are dressed up for the movie. It started in Australia with the hashtag Gentle Minions, and now it has spread to the world. It's on TikTok, and although you know they're dressed up and supposed to behave like gentlemen, it doesn't go down hand in hand with the word Gentle Minions. You see... It is a call for moviegoers to attend the film in formal wear, eat bananas, and get a little rowdy and loud whenever the minions appear on screen. That's not gentlemanlike, if you ask me. The trend led to hundreds of teens between the ages of 13 and 17, dressed in formal wear, moshing and creating disturbances in the cinemas across the UK. One movie theatre refunded more than $1,300 worth of tickets in one day. Another theatre banned groups of guests wearing suits from entering the cinema. 
But you know what? Some got away because they hid their suits under over something that they wore over. Another theatre stopped showing the film altogether. Now, large groups of teenagers were throwing things, swearing and abusing staff members. The trend has been seen in movie theatres in the UK, the US and Australia. As for Canada, the teens did dress up and eat their bananas, but they didn't cause any trouble or chaos. And I don't think there was any chaos or trouble in Singapore theatres either, although we did see people dressed up for the movie. Well, I guess the teens in Canada and Singapore have good upbringing and, well, you know, they were more civilized. I don't think Universal Studios is too concerned about the chaos and rowdiness around other parts of the world because it generated free publicity. Publicity that brought them lots of money. The film earned 123 million US dollars over the four-day long weekend opening in the US alone. Now, that's the biggest so far for an animated movie. The movie, as usual, is funny, and the Minions, with their gibberish talk, is just so adorable. Much better than Russell Crowe putting on a pseudo-Greek or Italian accent in Thor, Love and Thunder. Now, who would think that Minions are mightier than Thor? I guess Disney Marvel didn't see it coming either. On the other hand, Universal and Illumination Studios are laughing to the bank. (laughs) It's a David and Goliath scenario. The soundtrack of Minions caters to both the young and the older generation with cover versions and remakes of retro music. Music that I grew up with, but with a whole new twist. I'm Colin Gomez, and this has been Movie Magic on Money FM 89.3.